0: So I'm starting this series, and I wish I was starting a six-week series on the albums of you 2 because that's my expertise, because I could get up and do those without flinching, and normally, normally, I might be even half the expert in the room. I always feel, you know, when we're talking Old Testament, Desi's there, and New Testament, Gary's over there, and... There's a lot of intelligence in the room every week. And I thought that Sunday, you remember way back about five years ago when we did the Van Morrison Sunday morning sermon, I thought at least I'll be the expert there. And then Stuart Bailey walked in who knows much more about Van Morrison than I did. And I never feel the expert. This is one where I'm actually taking us on a journey of something that I feel very vulnerable in. Prayer, what is that? Prayer, how do you do that? Prayer, something that I use on a daily basis with people. How do I do it between me and God? What is this prayer? And so the text as we start this series and hopefully flow through with um, How to Pray by Pete Gregg, as I say, he's a a great writer and there'll be things in this book, no doubt, in Fitzroy and the breadth of our theologies and experiences that we'll agree with and disagree with and probably different things that we'll agree and disagree with. But he's he's wonderful at just um, uh, taking you into places and and being vulnerable himself as he talks about prayer I encourage you to get the book Um, the first thing that he talks about is to pause and I thought I would go on that right at the outset today I've struggled with where this series goes and it's in a leaflet now in front of us but whether I stick to that or not you can work out and I was drawn actually before the pause to, um, well how do you start a series in prayer surely you start a series in prayer with that verse in Luke chapter 11 that Jack has um, prayed or read to us already Lord teach us to pray because John taught his disciples to pray and he said when you pray say now it's the verse before that teach us to pray that intrigues me as well uh, well the, the half of the verse before it one day Jesus was praying in a certain place And when he had finished, one of the disciples said. And it seems to me that if we look at John, or we look at Luke rather, uh, 9 and 10, even just 9 and 10. If we look at where Jesus has been before we get to this verse, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And as happens in the Gospels, you will find that when there's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of mayhem around Jesus, that Jesus does this thing where he, he finds himself a place and he prays. That's happened here. There's been a lot of madness going on, a lot of interesting stuff going on, a lot of opposition going on. He's uh, set his sights on the time when he was taken up in Jerusalem, and we've gone through those travel narratives over the last number of years quite a lot. All of this is happening around this moment, when it seems that in the middle of it all, we have a pause. (coughs) All this activity, all these questions, all these people demanding of Jesus, All this opposition. It's like the world we live in that's loud and coming in all the time. And we have this pause at the start of chapter 11. Where Jesus finds himself praying in a certain place. We might come to that place in a moment. So he has taken a pause to pray. And found a place to pray. I've been fascinated by Greg's opening chapter because he talks in it about how how everybody prays um if you've been to any of my weddings I do a wee sneaky at weddings I don't know whether I want this to stream but uh, it's not that important but I do a wee sneaky thing at weddings and it's also I think a nice thing but it is a sneaky thing I'll admit now it's a sneaky thing don't tell your friends when they come here to get married that I'm going to do a sneaky on them but I do a wee sneaky because at the end of most services uh, as I go to do the benediction I asked the congregation to earn their dinner. They're not there just to look at this lovely moment and get a free feed. They're there to be friends of the couple and their families as they come to get married. And so I asked the congregation to join me in a benediction, an imaginary moment where they would send up their prayers above the couple that I've just prayed. Now I'm aware that there's not everybody that comes to our weddings is of the faith dynamic. So I do a wee sneaky. And I say that if you're not of the praying kind, send a wish up above our couple. And people appreciate that and I do it because I want them to feel part of it. But Frederick Buechner has said that all our wishes are prayers. In fact, Bickner would go as far as to say God hears the wishes too. So what I'm sneakily doing is, I'm asking even those friends of the couple who don't believe in prayer to say a wee prayer for them. And I guarantee you that they mean that wish and that prayer. They have an intention about it, I imagine, as they send up that wish or prayer over them. And Greg would suggest, Pete Greg would suggest, that everybody's a prayer. In fact, he would suggest that it's something that almost makes us human. So I started to think about that, and I thought, mm, yeah, people do pray when they open that exam, and they open the paper and they look at it, and they don't see anything that's looking friendly. Even the deepest atheist in the Queen's, you know, in the hall at that moment. Well, maybe just say something to somebody, whoever that somebody might be, or when you hear that diagnosis. Or when you hear that bad news. Or when there's a stress on. There are moments when even those who won't be filling churches today send up something to somebody. I'm not in regular habit of quoting Sam Smith. But there's a whole song there, isn't there? I'm young and I'm foolish. These are Sam Smith's words, not me. You'll understand from the first two. I'm young and I'm foolish. I've made bad decisions. I block out the news, turn my back on religion. I don't have no degree. I'm somewhat naive. I've made it this far on my own. But lately, it ain't be getting me higher. I've lifted my head and the world is on fire. There's dread in my heart. There's fear in my bones. And I just don't know what to say. Maybe I'll pray. Pray. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you, no. But I'm going to pray. You won't find me in church? No. Reading the Bible? No. If you can imagine sort of soul gospel news in the background there you're getting the bit of the the sound. But I'm still here and I'm still your disciple. I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you please. I'm broken alone and afraid. I'm not a saint. I'm more of a sinner. I don't want to lose but I fear for the winners. When I try to explain the words run away That's why I'm stood here today and I'm just going to pray, Lord. Pray, Lord. Maybe I'll pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. Sam Smith says that he wrote that song, Pray, after visiting Mosul, seeing human suffering and being awakened to some reality out of his closeted, comfortable life. Sam Smith came home and he put Nina Simone on And he got some gospel music coming through. Seems to me it might even be that gospel music, not contemporary Christian music, but gospel music has been something that God has used to keep the language of Christ and the gospel in a very secular, modern music world. So, here's Sam Smith coming out of Syria with all that he's seen and hearing a gospel song and thinking... I'm going to pray. Maybe I'll pray for a glimmer of hope. I've never believed in you, but I'm going to pray. Pete Gregg doesn't mention Sam Smith. A touch there, Pete, I have to say. Um, he mentions David Grohl, Dave Grohl from uh, Foo Fighters. And when Taylor Hawkins, their drummer, OD'd at the V Festival, Dave Grohl, this... Um, rock icon said i would talk to god out loud as i was walking i'm not a religious person but i was out of my mind i was so frightened and heartbroken and confused greg also mentions david not it's an incredible book called war doctor if you're medical you need to read that book because you'll get more of it than i'll get because when he opened people's chests up and he put his hand in to hold i wasn't getting that neither was i wanting particularly to get it But it's about uh, this doctor who gives himself freely to worlds. So he goes to Syria and he goes to Afghanistan. He goes to war zones. And with bombs going on all around him, he will do operations on the people that are coming in from those bombs. It's an incredible book. Uh, He's an incredible human being. And he doesn't really give a profession of faith in the book. He doesn't really give a profession of faith. But he prays. And there's this other moment where um, I think it's in Syria... And he finds himself in a small chapel in Syria. And he says this, Michael, who I think was an Anglican priest that was working in this little chapel. He disappeared for a moment, returning with a small cup, which he filled with wine. He placed a wafer on my tongue and offered me the cup. He then placed his hand on my head and prayed. For the second time in my life, for the second time in my life, I felt that contact not as something physical, but as a spiritual connection. It did not feel like a man's hand but something much more powerful and profound radiating energy. An electric shiver ran through me filling me with love. God's at work and people are asking in prayer of God. It seems to be something that makes us human this sense of the transcendent or prayer being the link between the two. I remember in our youth fellowship Back in Harival days when I was 18 or 19, um, one particular teacher saying that he didn't believe God heard any of our prayers before our prayer of commitment to Christ. So you could pray away there, David Knott or David Grohl or whatever else, but God's holding his uh, ears closed until you make the commitment prayer. I'm not sure that we're more into a common grace with our prayers. Uh, People who don't believe in God today. I think when they get to the end of themselves or they see suffering in the world and they're looking for a glimmer of hope, I think that we hear those words of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise in the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I think that maybe Pete on onto something when he says that all of us pray and I believe that maybe God is also listening. So prayer, something we all do and need. It's interesting because when I wrote the U2 book, um, I remember handing it to Stephen Williams, which is always a very dangerous thing to do. Handing anything you've written to Stephen Williams um, gets through the meticulous eye of Stephen Williams. And I remember handing it to Stephen at, I don't know why I was even in his office. I handed him the U2 book and I said, Stephen, I think I know a lot about you too, but I'm not sure I know much about my theology. So would you read that and tell me whether there's any theology in it? And even if we could maybe get a master's out of it. And I realized then, as he said, yes, there is some in it. He did fix a few colons and semicolons and and give some really interesting questions about some of the things I'd said. But he did say there was enough theology in it to do a master's. And I think I realized I knew more theology than I thought I knew. And I think when we come to prayer and we realize that it's, uh, it's out there and everybody's doing it but we feel we're useless at it that actually we may be better at it than we think we are and I'm hoping as well as some helps and resources to improve our prayer lives as we go maybe one of the things during Lent will be here, I'm not that bad at it after all I have been praying and I have seen how prayer works so we're going to be pretty pragmatic over the next wee period of time <coughs> excuse me and I want to just touch on two things this morning that might help us in that practical way. I want to go back, first of all, to that verse at the very outset. One day Jesus was playing, praying in a certain place. He'd taken a pause. Jesus had taken a pause. And if the only thing we do is take a pause and just sit in the presence of God, that in itself might be enough. I quote it many times, but I think it is very quotable. And again, I don't think this particular rock band are those who have a, a, a Christian creed, but um, the head and the heart saying, the world's just spinning a little too fast. If things don't slow down soon, we might not last. The world's not forgiving of everyone's fears. The days turn into months and the, turn, the, the years turn into years. So just for a moment... Let's be still. Just for a moment, let's be still. Stillness. When I say let's allow our eyes to fall shut we'll have a moment of stillness, there is stillness, but there's times when I feel a tension. as how long is he going to go on for? How long can we take? When we do a minute's silence now at remembrance, the minute seems to be forever. I'm not sure it was to those maybe 100 years ago, who started doing the practice. We don't live in a world that's very still. And it's good for us when we come to think about prayer that the first thing we do is pause. It's about taking time out. (coughs) It's not about leaving our lives out there and coming into God's presence and taking time out of our lives out there. It's about bringing our lives in there to pause with them around us. The world does spin too fast and we do find it clogged up with so many things and it's good just some time in our day to just pause. Pete Gregg talks about befriending silence. Befriending silence. Taking a time out. Befriend silence. He also says, and this is a challenge, I think, to the evangelical background that many of us have had, set down your prayer list. It can be that when we come to pray, we're just as active and as productive and as Protestant work ethic as we actually were trying to get a break from. And so Greg says that for a moment or two, just be still. Don't be thinking, what do we need to ask for? Don't be just constrained into asking. Just be still. Because the psalmist said, he leads me in, to lie down in green pastures. I remember my friend Gordon said he was in um, Galway. And there was a day of prayer in the local Catholic church. Gordon wasn't one for frequenting Catholic churches, it has to be said. But he went in. And there was a few people gathered And the priest came in and he said, we're just going to spend some time in quiet. He says, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I know many of you are very busy. And I know many of you are very tired. And I know some of you are going to fall asleep. But what better place to fall asleep than in the presence of the Lord? Just to pause and to rest. To lie down. And don't turn up the still waters, as I often do get myself ready there, get myself sat down. Okay, Lord, let's a wee bit of prayer here. Lent, oh, maybe my notebook. I'll get my notebook with me, Lord, in case you say something to me. Now, he will, and we're hoping we'll get there. But it's just this, God wants us to pause, just to be still, particularly in the world that we live in. Could I ask us, maybe just for this Lent period, as a starter, that we sit, maybe we are still, maybe some of us are saying, still, Steve, I can now be still for 10 minutes. I've been working on it for years. I've been working on it for years too, but I've just spilled that glass of water right over the carpet in the front of the church. (laughs) I'm good at that stillness. Well, just push it a wee bit for the six or eight weeks of Lent. Why do we not just say, right, I'm going to, but let me leave you with something else and you can maybe do them together. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. There seems to be something in this. And I know I might be just adding into the text here. Forgive me if I am. But in a certain place. Jesus wasn't just praying. He was praying in a certain place. And it seems to me if we look at the gospels. He has a tendency for the mountains. He has a tendency to go to somewhere on the other side of the lake. Or he has a tendency to go to somewhere i mean, quiet and a wee bit more whatever. A certain place. I find when I'm writing, there are certain places that are far more fertile for my writing than other places. Some places, if I sat there all day, I wouldn't get a thing typed. But if in other places, it's really, even when I was in sabbatical in Uganda, there's this flat that's beside the flat that, that Jean and Ross live in, and it's not as nice a flat as Jean and Ross's flat. It's a pretty basic flat, but there's a kitchen in that flat where I could spend the rest of my life writing. And I would know that something would come out all the time. It's not particularly a astounding place. There's a cooker over there and there's a sink over there. And there's a wee verand over there that you can open if you don't want the mosquitoes to go in. And yeah, you can sit in a nice wee corner there. The TV's not working. So there's a fridge for your water and there's just a table. There's nothing. But that for me was a place I found that worked. There are those places we find that work. And when it comes to prayer, maybe if we're looking through the Gospels, those moments where Jesus went to pray, maybe there were certain places that it worked better for Jesus than other places. Certainly it needs to be a place of quiet. My best praying place, apart from the beach in Ballycastle, was when I lived in Deravolge Hall and I went out. Gene's here, I think. There'll be a fight in the the grey household as to who goes and gets the milk from the garage now. Um, we were just a couple of hundred yards from that BP in the Malone Road And when the girls were tiny And you were going to the shops It seemed endlessly In that journey between Dara and the BP I got a radio show uh, edited a magazine Got a book deal And was wrestling with Should I come to Fitzroy It was my prayer tunnel Prayer alley I wasn't sitting quiet But I almost knew that every time I went out to go to the shop, I was going to have an encounter with God. Because in some ways, at least it switched off. And it switched into somewhere that for me, just, you wouldn't pick it. If they put up on Facebook, Google Places for Prayer, then that hedge between Derivulgi and the BP is not the best hedge in Belfast. But it did something. And what I'm saying out of this is, there are these places, and I don't think I'm the only one who needs to find the place. Pete Gregg talks about somebody who bought the, here's one for us, who's gonna buy it or who's gonna buy it for you? They bought a rocking chair. And they set a rocking chair in front of the window and every day they made sure that they spent half an hour in that rocking chair at a certain part of the day. And that was the place, the certain place where the silence could happen and where the conversation with God could begin. Is there somewhere in your house? Or have you been trying somewhere in your house that hasn't really been working that well, but you haven't thought, actually, there are different places where different things can work and you maybe need to try those different things? Can I suggest that over Lent, as a community, we maybe try to do these things. We learn what it is to pause, what it is to make friends with the silence before we get into prayer at all, but that is part of prayer. But you know what I'm saying, before we start talking, just the pause. And find the place, a place where you just sense. I had a place in Union College, room 27, just in front of the radiator, and I would sit leaning against the radiator, and I would spend time right there, and it was a good place for me. And then one day, I opened my eyes, and there was a huge shadow right around me. And I went Now I know this has been a place that I've got close to God But what on earth Is this shadow doing And I realised there was people on uh, A building just outside And they were standing there looking in my window And that was the shadow But I was so close to God That I actually thought and opened my eyes It's an angel It was just that place We've got to try different places That we might find are the places That we can pause that we can switch off, that we can find the rest of God, the restfulness of God, that we can find ourselves in a place where therefore we're fertile to have that conversation with God and to listen to God, as Rose is going to help us to do tonight. The world's just spinning a little too fast. If things don't slow down soon, we might not last. The world's not forgiving Of everyone's fears. The days turn into months. And the months turn into years. So just for a moment. Just for a moment. Every day. Let's pause. Let's be still. Know that he is God. Let's pray together. Lord help us to find those times. For a pause. Maybe even help us. To discipline the time for a pause. Help us to find those places, certain places, where we find ourselves just right, just ready, just able for that conversation with you. We pray that this Lent time might be a time when we reassess and relook and develop, even those of us with a good prayer life, just look at how we could resource and develop and improve our relationship with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.